welcome back everybody to tattoos and jesus um we are sitting here today on this warm sunny day finally um and we are with a special guest that marty is going to introduce for us today uh we're going to hit you with back-to-back interviews it's been raining uh, a lot all of morning what up. are you talking about sunny day are you kidding me it's like 70 degrees outside it was raining okay it was raining like for an hour whatever this morning. anyway Special guest. I'm not gonna let your weather derail me. Mr. The Matthew Weaver. Matthew, yep. how are you doing? What's up? Man, I'm doing great. Good to be on here. Listen, Matthew Weaver and I go back like how when did you move to South Carolina? I think it was 2012. The year I Maybe. got married. I were, you a, my, I were you at my wedding? Were you at my wedding? I don't think I was at your wedding. I think that was, I moved there right after you got married. I think it's okay. I got married in October of 2012. So anyway, oh, so it was right after that. Yeah. <clears throat> so 10 years ago, 10 years. we met, uh, but for the last, what, five or six years, four or five years, you've been in New Orleans. Well, it's since 2014. So 2014. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a, eight years, eight years. The longest I've lived anywhere Dang. since I left home. Yeah, and so I think we've only seen each other once or twice since then, but yeah. we've kept in contact otherwise. So anyway, this is, you know, he contacted us and he was like, "Listen, I need to be on your show to promote my new book." Not what I said at all. <laughs> I said, "I want to see you, Marty. Bring me on your show so I can see you." That's a weirder answer. That's the only way you can. That's the only way you can get him. I didn't so, even know you were an interview today. For the record, you what? <laughs> I didn't even know we were going to talk about the book today, just for Listen, the record. For I audience. want you to know, I'm not going to get into this ahead of time, but I have, I've read this thing. I've been through it. Hmm. Um, I got to confess, I didn't devotionalize it. Like I just literally sat down and went through it. Um, I sat in one sitting, read it in one sitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just kind of went through it because I wanted to be familiar with it and come up with some loaded questions for you today. Um, loaded. Loaded. Oh but before we do that, loaded. Let's, we got a coffee review to jump into. So, so ironic enough, um, like I just said, Matthew lives in New Orleans with his family, serves as a pastor there. We'll dive into that. Well, a couple months ago, my wife was in New Orleans, and if anybody's familiar with, uh, was it the French quarters? Is that where this is at? There mm -hmm. is a famous uh, restaurant called Cafe du Monde. That's correct. It's, they're known for their beignets. Mm -hmm. Which is was that a French pastry? Uh, it's kind of like a donut with. White uh, you know when powder? you go to the fair in the the fair in the fall and you get those. Uh, dang, I just had funnel a cakes. Funnel cakes. That's what it tastes like to me. It's like a yeah, funnel no, that's, cake. that's wow, that's good. It is funnel cake ish. When you put sugar on it, that is. Yeah, it's because it's got powdered sugar on it normally, yeah, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, my wife picked me up a can of Cafe Dumont original French market coffee, uh, the coffee and chicory. What the, what the frick does that mean? What the frick? So anyway, it's completely random. Like it completely random how it worked out that we're doing a new Orleans <laughs> coffee review from Cafe Dumont with Matthew here on the show, but it's this, it's like, it was sovereign. It was ordained. God is sovereign. That's so what the heck is chicory, Matthew? Because you're familiar with this coffee. Well, I don't like chicory. So as soon as I moved there, I tried it. It didn't take me long to say I'm never having this again. 
All right. I feel like you know, yes. I can't wait to shout out Ashley. Thank you for. She didn't. I know. haven't. I mean, it's. I tour- haven't tried it. It's the tourist thing to get, but a lot of the locals, like if you're born and raised here, you will drink chicory, and it's just this okay. potent, strong, extra. So it's something different than coffee flavor. Um, man, Come I want to say chicory is like, yeah, it's like a flavor in your coffee, like it's blended in with it. In New Orleans, the indigenous French people. Are you reading this off your computer? No. <laughs> they like chicory. While you're talking. They like chicory. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of locals really like chicory. Um, like I said, I'm not – because I never liked it in the beginning, I never really, like, gave it too much of a chance and like, learning yeah. about it. So I'm probably – You've had it once. Guy. Once or twice, and I was like, never doing this again. It's just, but it's not like all over the place. Like, if you want chicory, you got to ask for it. It's not like, oh, we're going to this Ooh. coffee shop and everything. Oh, chicory. Okay. It's like okay. a so it's thing. like, hey, so that makes me feel better about you it. You go to the yeah. end of the French Quarter, you take a right, you're going to see a man, you're going to say, I need the chicory, bro. I need. He's going to send you to another man. He's yeah. going to send you to Kings for instant match light charcoal. You know what chicory makes in me water. Think you know what chicory makes me think of? It makes I me want to say hickory chicory dock. The mouse ran up the clock. Sorry, so we're gonna move along like, with the coffee review after that one. Josh, uh, when you smell this stuff, <laughs> what do you think? I I'm not even kidding you. Charcoal. Like I literally like when you fire up my charcoal grill and I go outside mm. and it's burning. It smells like this coffee, this which is, is why I'm the, worried a little bit. I'm a, I'm a, smell alone. I haven't tried it yet. yet. I have not tried it yet. Josh, have you tried it? I, no. No, it's the first time I've never tried a coffee well, before Here's, our review. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. But go ahead. I want us to do a pre-ranking on this because this is the most peculiar smelling substance I've ever put to my nose. <laughs> Based on smell alone, what do you predict the score to be? Because I'm at a 0.0 right now. Oh, man. This is atrocious smelling. Man, I don't know. I, I'd give it I'd give it below a four, probably. <laughs> don't you guys normally uh, review I think I read something about cheap coffee. Is that the yeah. thing y'all well we'll review anything, We did last year. Uh, this year. We did we, last year. Yeah. I mean, I'll, yeah, Folgers we, even smells good, but it doesn't yeah. taste good. Well, even even <laughs> in the stuff that's nicer that we've reviewed, it's because people give it to us. We haven't purchased any. Uh, I see. Um, yeah, purity was last week. We got a little river so, over here. You know what this smells like to me? It smells like two th- two things. One, can we did, ever... can we try this already? Like, look, well, I mean, okay. all the hype. <laughs> we are, we I'm are. Going, we, I mean, it's like, I'm going like in. it's it's so bad. My mouth is starting to water over this stuff. I don't know why. You have something else <laughs> close by to. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's exactly what I did the first time. I tr- make sure you don't spit it on your computer. We're not allowed to cuss on this podcast, are we? Oh, Josh, Josh is doing okay over there. Mm. I have a very oh, sensitive so much, gagger. There's so many flavors coming around right now. Like, already get some water close by? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. The smell of this reminds me of two things. Number one, <clears throat> have you ever hung out with like an organic hippie person that like cover, cut like instead of like normal deodorant, they use like smelly rub on stuff <laughs> and they have this unique earthy smell. 
Those are called granolas, right? Yes. On one hand, it smells very granola. (laughs) On the other hand, it reminds me of when I was a kid, I had a friend in the hospital and he had a pin through his leg and had this like yellow substance all over. It was weird. Anyway, and it smelled really strange. And this is what he reminds me of. It smells like if I've been in a hospital room after surgery. That sounds awful. After that description, I don't even want to try this coffee anymore. That's that's disgusting. I a yellow you, I substance not, out of this man's Marty leg. Sips. Yeah. Marty's still <laughs> drinking it. So much. It's growing on you, isn't it? <laughs> it reminds me of the pus coming out of somebody's leg. Okay. <laughs> oh, well. It's horrible. Yeah, you took a sip too. Yeah, I mean, it just—I guess it, it might be better if I think of it like that than Here's, what it smells like. I have to thank my wife because she got us something that is true through and through, New Orleans French Quarter. No, that's the real deal. But it's trash, man. I told you, man. It's... I try to tell you, Weaver. You're you're drinking coffee. What are you drinking? I'm drinking Trader Joe's medium roast ground, or I grinded some beans earlier. Is it good? Yeah. I love Trader Joe's, man. Yeah. I'm a medium roast guy. Like, I like medium roast coffee. See, we've landed on the dark roast. See, I like dark roast. Josh really likes espresso. I like espresso. Yeah. I used to drink, uh, like, from Starbucks when I was really tired. I'd go in and get a, a red, red eye. Ooh, and it's just straight up coffee with, like, black coffee with espresso shots thrown into it. I'll, let me put it this way. Wow. Matthew, Matthew didn't that used to be able to grow a beard. He drank two red eyes, and that's what. I need to shave, by the way. I don't always look this scruffy. Well, it's a podcast. Nobody will see it. Yeah, nobody can see it. Except, Except for the fact, for the that, fact that, that you, posted on- you posted on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's okay. I, I checked today. We had like two views. That's fine. That's probably mine and yours. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. Man, well, this is. Now you know. I mean, I can drink it. I mean, I'm being a little dramatic. Like, I could drink it. Like, if I was in New Orleans and I had breakfast there and I ordered a cup of coffee and they brought you me this, I would it. drink it. Marty, if you were here, you wouldn't have to get that. They have normal coffee too. And they have this thing called Cafe Olay mm-hmm. that goes very well with beignets, which is like a uh, oh. coffee and like a sort of a dessert coffee drink. Very sweet. That sounds delicious. You dip your beignet in it. And so you don't have to get chicory. Does, you come down, little, does yours you know. also look like motor oil? Like it looks so this extra, is what this is extra oilish. What worries me is it's so dark, and I and I yeah. poured it in a K cup. It's a it's the K cup version, so it's like it's not nearly as strong as like a coffee pot version. Like if I were to do this in a coffee pot, I don't know, I don't know that I'd be able to, to even like. I don't even know if it'd be liquid. You don't want to. You don't want to waste that much. I assure you, <laughs> I don't want to waste that much water on this coffee. <laughs> Oh, All right, man. I'm trying to get our. Do y'all, our... y'all have a backup coffee that you can start sipping on, or? Oh, I've already, I've already no. had some today. Can you even get through this episode after drinking that? All right. Mm. Can we? I mean, it's it's strangely addictive to keep trying. Yeah, keep sipping on it as you. <laughs> it's like I... it's like man, like it's so unique, but yeah. it's like it's I don't I don't know. Y'all, y'all I feel like I'm drinking. Part of Asheville. Asheville. It has that hippie smell. Hmm. I mean, you I love what? Ash. I love Asheville. I love hippies. But you know what that smell is? I think you're talking about, and I think it's cigarette ashes. 
think it's I think it's like an ashtray. Like like as I continue to drink, I think it's starting to change into an a, a cigarette ashtray. <laughs> which reminds me of any breakfast restaurant in Gaffney. It's so not like it's not as bad. It's like you remember Papa's breakfast nook by the church in Spartanburg, Matthew. That's yeah. what I'm it's straight Papa's. cigarettes. <clears throat> yeah, cigarettes. Um, and then you walk in, it's like bam. This smoking a biscuit. Don't tell my wife, but I don't know that we're gonna finish all 15 ounces of this bad boy. Oh man, we can look how cool this canister looks, though. I'm keeping the canister. I mean, just dump the coffee out and put use that for I'm just gonna use this as my coffee mug. Display. There you go. Nah, you ain't getting the taste out of that. Tips, it'll be my tips jar. Burn it. Tips jar. Um all right. Well, probably uh, the worst coffee we all had ever, huh? No, no. Instant. No. We had an instant, instant coffee. coffee. Folgers? Was it Folgers instant? instant? coffee. It Maxwell literally, House. it tasted like wet mulch. Yeah. Atrocious. Like you walk, in a, you walk into a really, really dirty gas station and they just boiled peanuts in their little sketchy crock pot. Just take the juice out of that crock pot and pour it in a cup. And that's basically um, what, what we were drinking. All right. Hold on. I got to think of a score for this. Dude, you've already powered through the whole thing? It's, it's close, yeah. It's close. I told you. I don't know. I don't know. Okay? I don't, I don't know. I don't feel confident about what this is going to do to me later. Oh, man. I feel – I just – I don't know. I feel like – I just right. smoked half a pack of Marlboro Ultralights. I have a score. You got a score, Josh? Yeah, go for it. I'm putting this bad boy at a 3 4. Gonna I was going to go 4 8. I mean, it's four, like, eight? it's so unique that I can't rank it like really low. I can. Because I feel like, man, this is what people drink. I guess you get accustomed to it. So where I, I, I just I, I mean, would I take it over like Folgers? Maybe I don't know. I don't, I just, I don't know. It's, let me give you some perspective. Place. We gave it. That's a combined score of four point one. We had Dunkin' Donuts medium roast, and on average, we gave it a four three. I'll drink Dunkin' medium roast saying. all day long before I drink chicory. But I mean, it's got a taste to it. The those coffees are it's like hot water. It's like hot water. So what and you're saying the is the fact that it has like... a taste to it means we should increase the score. <laughs> I can give you some flavors, man. I can put some flavors in hot waters for you. Well, I like strong coffee, so that's probably it. Strong tasting coffee, probably not. But I mean, I, it's I've drank the cup. I mean, so you gotta. I mean. Four eight. That's what I'm going with. Whatever. Four eight. I'm sticking with it. I, right. I to be honest, probably in a month or so, I'm probably like Marty. You want to throw this in, a, in the coffee pot and give us a shot again, and we'll probably do it. So it's an acquired taste. Yeah. It's acquired. Yeah, all right. In a month, you guys are going to be all in with it. You'll be asking nope. me to order no nope. order in bulk. No. Oh. See right. now it's like a New York sewer. I don't it's know. That, <laughs> <laughs> the aftertaste is really what gets you going. Oh. Yeah, it is, and it's changed every time. <laughs> but it's never nothing. It's never anything good. This is interesting. Okay. Anyway, well. another solid review. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Ashley. Ooh, I just want to say everything that your family has sent you 
My, has oh. been below a five. Yeah. You you have literally trashed almost every single coffee your mother-in-law has sent you. My oh. mother-in-law and my wife, man, they're two peas in a pod. Are they and that's not good. Marty? No. They just pick stuff up and bring it. That's why, yeah. It's a, it's a scary experience. But anyway, Matthew, let, let's talk I, about I, you. I appreciate the uniqueness. I'd rather let's, talk about coffee the rest of the time. I have a question for you. Okay, so you okay. released a book. What the end of last year, beginning of this year? I think it was like end of September, early October is when it's out. Plug us. Tell me, tell us who you are and what this book is. Well, and then I've got some questions where I went through it. Yeah. So my name is Matthew Weaver, and I serve at a church in the uh, really the new. I'm not in New Orleans technically, Marty. I'm next to New Orleans. So for the sake of the entire world, they would think you're in New Orleans. Right. You say exactly. I mean, I'm 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 in New Orleans. I can get to the French Quarter from my house without traffic in like 20 minutes. Okay. But what's the name uh, of the town that you actually live in? The, the town that I live in is called Metairie. Metairie. Oh, Metairie. yeah, yeah. It's on the book. Yeah. Metairie, Louisiana. I see. Metairie is literally in the parish, which is called counties, right? Yeah. They call them parishes in Louisiana. Metairie is in Jefferson Parish, which is the parish next to the city of New Orleans. So I live and in the New suburbs. Orleans is is New Orleans Parish. New Orleans is called Orleans Parish. Orleans Parish. Or, yeah. Okay. And then Jefferson, I'm like west of Orleans Parish. I'm in between the Lake Pontchartrain, which is a massive lake that's got the longest bridge over water in the country, basically. It's mm-hmm. like a 30-minute bridge mm-hmm. ride. And I'm in between that and the Mississippi River. So that's where I live. And then the world's over here. Is that, a, is that a flood risk? Yes, very much. That's why when our when um, Hurricane Ida came in the fall, we had to evacuate lots of these. Now, flooding wasn't the issue for Ida. It was more the wind damage. But when Katrina hit, Marty, didn't you and I come down here on a mission trip together? Yeah, that, I came down there with First Baptist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day. And that was a more of a post-Katrina trip and mm-hmm. that was all water damage with tons of flooding. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's another, you know, we could get to that if you want yeah. to unpack some of that, but anyways. I'm so did your, when Ida came through, cause that was last year. Yes. What, what damage or impact did that have on like literally where you live, not that parish, but like your house, your. No, no damage except some shingles off my roof and some limbs on the ground. So I got pretty lucky. Like my neighborhood lost power for about three weeks um but there wasn't a ton of damage but if you drive about now there are pockets in this area that did it's really just so random like mm-hmm. i don't know but if you drive like 15 minutes west of me it's just it's it was wiped out it was really it was bad yeah and that's like more of a, a, a rural area like country and it was really devastated out there um okay. but our church had some damage some roof damage and mm-hmm we're still we still haven't fixed it because like we're, we've been waiting on getting that the adjuster to come and there's just a, everybody's still dealing with the after effects of that and everybody's you know it's a real slow process because so mm-hmm. many homes were damaged so um anyways i okay. fortunately am good we were good we had no damage um but many many people did so and so about that time you're writing a book <laughs> Uh, let me let me tell you what happened here so my wife got pregnant last uh 
February. 2021 was the hardest year of my life. Like, and it was a good year in many ways, but a very, very hard year. So my wife got pregnant and basically her whole pregnancy, she was sick, like heavy nausea, just feeling sick. Yeah. So that was a long thing in itself. And then we had COVID, this thing called COVID. You probably heard of it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, down here, COVID has been like rampant because we're in an, ur- an urban area. So it's been like crazy, crazy. And then we had a hurricane and that whole time I was writing this. Well, I was going to start writing this before I started praying about this over um, last Christmas and I started it and I was just like, you know what, I'm going to keep doing this despite, cause it kind of was my anchor. Like God really used this to help me. Yeah. Well, it's, there's some irony there. So tell yeah. everybody the name of your devotional. Tell yeah. Them. That's kind of why, I mean, it all comes full circle. It's called refocus um, because uh, many, many people need to refocus. And uh, there's just been a lot of things that have happened down here, but also in our nation and our world uh, across the board that people have really, really, those that know Christ, that follow Christ, have really been distracted by things that I think have uh, distorted their view of Christ and their perspective is really shifted to a place that is really not healthy. And so I know this firsthand being a pastor, but also myself, and in the book, I write some personal experiences, but mm-hmm. the title came out in the midst of all this. So I was like, wow, God's, I want God to use this now, not knowing what was going to happen in 2021. Yeah. Um, it's cool how God used it now to, to get out to people. So in as much as you wanted to write an encouragement to people that were struggling in return, the very writing of it allowed you to stay focused or refocus. So, it's, I mean, it's really a, a full circle type experience. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and really I prayed through, it's a 20 day devotional. It's pretty short. And I prayed through every single topic was like, just hit me randomly. So you can kind of tell it's not like this progression. I mean, it kind of is, but it isn't, it's a very random devotional, mm-hmm. but all the topics spoke to me first in my life. And then I put them on paper. So, um, that was one of my questions was, how did you decide what 20 topics that you wanted to write? So what's the time period that it took you to collect 20 unique topics that you wanted to write a devotional on? So I started this in January of 2021 and I, th- I think I've wrapped it up by the summer. So, and you know, I only wrote 20 devotionals. So, I mean, that's, that's not that many. And so I took my time with it. Honestly, I didn't know in the beginning that I was going to get it published or printed or anything. I was just like, cause you know, I like to write, you know, I have a blog page and I like to write, I write some stuff for my church and I'm a, you know, I'm a preacher as well. So I have this like writing, I, this is kind of what I do, but along the way, man, I just took my time. I did about a devotional a week. I feel like, like really like, you know, putting time into it, but it was super random because um, there was no, like, I'm going to write by this time I'm going to be done. It was just like, God lead me in my writing process. And he led me and, uh, every topic was brought to me along the way, but I did want it all to culminate to this, like refocusing to then applying, like, you know, like it's inward and outward. So it's like, before you like outwardly obey Christ, like, you know, really can make a difference for Christ in your, in your daily life with your actions, you have to work on your mindset and your heart. 
So it's like this inward to outward theme. And you really hammer that when, because one thing that I like is with uh, against every devotional is a processing place. There's a blank page and it literally says process, pray, practice. And so it's that chat. I love that challenge of like, you need to chew on this. Then you need to go to God with it. And then you need to live it out. Mm-hmm. That was the easiest part of the devotional. We'll write that. The whole what? Page. Empty. <laughs> half, half of it was really easy. Half all of it is bl- nothing. <laughs> all the blank pages. <laughs> no, man. But yeah, you know, we've all read a bunch of devotionals and some of them are just devotionals are hit or miss. I mean, yeah. and, and, the, and what this is meant to be, it's meant to be like, because a lot of people I've talked to just want something simple right now. Like, I don't know a ton of people right now that are reading through the Bible in a year, you know, like if you are, that's awesome. But in my church, particularly, there's been a lot of people that have just been so overwhelmed and they just need something simple to reorient them back into the habit of daily Bible reading. So this is meant to be like a kickstart. A lot of people did it for the new year. And I'm going to push it one more time for like the Easter season, like just these seasons of like reorienting to then get back into some healthy Mm -hmm. rhythms. That was kind of my intention with it. That's why it's simple. And it has scripture because I think I don't have anything really to give you apart from the word. So I tried to give you scripture and like give you a little bit of a context of that Mm -hmm. scripture. I think that was my favorite thing when I was reading through it was there's most are number one, you can read them in two to five minutes depending on your reading speed, like you can read through it very quickly. Uh, and that includes the scripture. And in every one of them, the very la- there's three paragraphs and the last paragraph provides context to the passage. Yeah. Uh, at least I think that's correct. Yeah. Cause it, it always says like here yeah. day 12 in Mark nine, which is the passage we see. And then it elaborates to provide kind of some commentary on what that, what that verse was saying and the, the, the circumstances surrounding it. Yeah. And in the introduction, I tell you how to read, like, I basically say, this is how you need to read this. Like get your Bible out, get you a study Bible, get you like, this is my sort you can read it how you want, but this is like what I had in mind, Mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, if you read the introduction, hopefully it helps set up. Yeah. Like the the flow of studying it. So Matthew, when you said that you um, you kind of had a hard year in 2021, it was kind of some of the basis of in the process of writing your book. Like what, what did that kind of look like for you? So, well, I kind of mentioned like, these are things that are awesome things. Like, you know, my wife was pregnant and we had been mm. praying about that for a while and just, you know, how that, that's a, that's a journey in itself. And that, that, that's been incredible, but now I have a, a four-month-old now. His name's Camden, and he's four, four and a half, actually. But, you know, out of, that, out of that blessing came in the background of that story is a lot of trials with um, just that newness. And, you know, when your wife has a rough pregnancy, you know, it's my first, it's our first time experiencing that. So anytime you experience something for the first time, you don't really know what to do. And in the midst of a pandemic down here, where I mentioned to you guys, like the pandemic down here has been, when I talk to my friends, other places in the South, it's like night and day different here. So I'm living in this like COVID and COVID like world, essentially, like it's been very intense. And then obviously now it's slowing down, you know, knock on wood, but you know, 
navigating your wife being pregnant in the middle of that pandemic, that brought some anxiety to me. Um, evacuating for a hurricane um, with your wife, she was due within that month. So that was kind of scary because I've never, I've never had to evacuate before. She, uh, my wife's from here, her name's Emily and she's from here. So she went through Katrina. She's done the evacuation thing. She's experienced all that. Um, I never have. So the unknowns of that. And what if we can't get back in town? Where are we going to have this baby? And I'm so, sure you feel this pressure that your wife is struggling. She's eight, nine months pregnant, mm -hmm. daily nausea. Mm -hmm. And you're probably both feeling the need to be strong for her. Mm -hmm. and, and subsequently, you know, probably feeling like you're exploding on the inside. Yeah, that was a really weird feeling and i'm also a pastor so i'm like on a, at our church uh you know we have a church of a few hundred people and we have a pastoral team so there's four of us that are pastors that share different responsibilities but my role at the church is very very heavy with pastoral care and so because of that i've dealt with a lot of um you know walking through a lot of other people's burdens and stuff so you know you're caring for people and you're trying to care for your wife. You're trying to care for yourself. I just hit a breaking. So at the end of the year, uh, by the time our son came, I was, I was in a pretty, I would honestly say kind of a low point with my anxiety. I don't know what happened, but it just skyrocketed. Like I have always struggled with anxiety. Um, like, you know, just being prone to be anxious. Right. But it really got out of control towards the end of the year. And I've, now that I'm in, I've been going to counseling and uh, a really awesome Christian based like counselor here. And basically the, the now, now looking back, it's pretty clear as to why I had such anxiety. I was under a lot of stress and my stress was building over time and I didn't quite realize it. Yeah. And the issue with me, I've always compared my stress to other people's stress. And I've said, Oh, I'm kind of stressed, but I, I don't, I'm not as stressed as them. You know, I'm, and I've always been a pretty chill guy. Marty knows this. Like, I'm pretty calm, cool, collected, right? Uh, well, you know, I just think, I think I just, a lot of things were culminating in my life. And so, anyways, had to, you know, had to kind of get some help with that. And definitely, definitely feeling a lot better and working on that now. And I feel like I'm, like, getting the tools to work on it. That's, and I'm, I honestly feel like I'm healing from 2021. Like, that's how I feel honestly right now and I feel like I'm getting uh we're getting into a rhythm with our son we're getting back we're getting into a new groove but it's taken me a it really hasn't been that long I mean yeah. it feels I mean, long we're going on three months yeah I don't know if that's long or not but I want things to be fixed ASAP mm -hmm. but I tell people all the time no change takes mm -hmm. time like sanctification in Christ is a process and here I am you know I gotta preach to myself too so um, were there certain things that yeah. you can point to that helped you? I don't know whether it be shift the perspective or change, like, cause what I hear you say is what I hear people every week say. And that is my problem isn't a big deal because, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and the whole time in the background, that, that problem that isn't a big deal is taking over their life, but because so they recognize that compared to Joe Schmo on the street, it's not that bad. They're like, well, then I don't need to address it. So then it becomes that bad. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, and I would just say we could talk more about this if y'all want, but the ministry weight, I think, added 10 times stress to it. So that's a whole nother element that that so I what was your breaking point if you if you're willing to say like what made you say, all right, I can't this is game over, man. Well, in summary, uh, I'm gonna be pretty transparent here and you know, but it's only going out to 10 million viewers. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. why we have three Zoom links. Maybe Minus nine million nine hundred and ninety-nine. No, I mean I'll, I'll be honest, like the 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 breaking point was uh the experience with my son being born, um, the experience as you drink your chicory, it's awful. Uh, <laughs> the experience, give you the summary. Like basically my wife had to be induced. So he came late, you know, now was he born at the hospital you expected him to be yes. or was it? Yes. Okay. We got back. Um, we got back, our power kicked back on. Mm-hmm. Um, we we were good. And he came like a week late. And, you know, the hospital was fine, no damage there. So yeah, thankfully we got back. Everything was good. Um, but I don't know what happened to me at the hospital, dude, but I ha- I did not do well. Like, and I'm not the one who gave birth to to this kid. So thanks for clarifying. Uh, we wondered. In case you guys are wondering, <laughs> I was yeah, I was in, yeah. So I was just sitting chilling, but I don't know. My stress just like culminated to that weekend experience in the hospital. And, uh, you know, we were, we were in the hospital for five days. She was induced and then we had to stay back. And, you know, he had like some jaundice, you know, the jaundice stuff and all that. Well, COVID was bad again down here. So nobody was able to visit us in the hospital. So uh, we had no visitors and we were just isolated with him. And leading up to his birth, I just had a couple little, sort of many, like, you know, basically my counselor calls them panic attacks, but I just freaked out. I thought, I, I thought my blood sugar was low. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew what was going on. So it was like, they gave me some apple juice and they were like, take some deep breaths. Um, apple juice. I'm going to try. I'm a, that's my yeah, new technique. I was, I was about to say, let's, let's try I'm this one out at work. Some of those little, box, those little Mott's boxes. And so Dude, I need it it was very weird. I've never had one before. So, so tell me this for, for viewers that are apple listening, juice or panic attack. Uh, panic attack. <laughs> okay. Uh, what was that experience like when a panic attack hits? What was that yeah. like for you? Pretty scary because I, so I started to shake. Um, I was sweating. I was like, I was lightheaded, stuff like that. And, I just, I had to sit down and just, I just, I really, you know, I had nurses kind of come around me and try to like tell them, you know, deep breaths and, you know, it's going to be okay. Honestly, it was a very intense moment. I had them, I had uh, my wife and I had this app that we used to listen to before bed when she was pregnant. It was like reading scripture over you. Mm -hmm. And I actually had them play that. And so what's the the name of the app? Is that what the app's called? No, um, I've deleted the app since then. You got mad at it. Yeah, I was like, look, you served a purpose for this season, but you were you remind me of, of no, but uh I can't remember, dude. I okay. can look it up. I just but think that that's really I mean, that's a really good incredible. idea. It was I mean, incredible because as I was freaking out, I didn't have a clue what was going on. Like I was in the other room, my wife was on on the on the bed, she hadn't given birth yet. So it was just this weird thing. And I eventually I calmed down. My body was very uptight. It started to calm down, but all night my stomach was upset. And so it's I've told some people this and, uh, but I slept in the bathroom all night 
And, you know, with, I don't know how detailed to get here, but I thought I was just going to like throw up. And I, so I was just like, okay, I'm going to lay here. And, and then here I am, my wife's in the next room could give birth any moment. I'm like, crap, am I going to miss the birth of my son? Cause I'm sick. And it was just did that, very, did that bring a lot of guilt in that moment? Uh, yeah, I felt like a, a wimp. Like I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, you know, and I'm going to miss this moment and praise God. I didn't, I woke up the next morning at like six and I felt a little better. I, you know, I slept a little bit. My stomach felt better. And I got up and I ate like a granola bar or something. And then it was go time. And Mm. I was there for the whole birth and I got to really experience it. And so apparently I had another small one the next day. I woke up from a nap, freaking out in the hospital room. I had no idea. I just, I don't, you know, I don't know why this is happening, but I just woke up and I was like, whoa. And, uh, and then, you know, they kind of calmed me down and, and whatnot. And I haven't had one since then, but coming home from that experience, I had a lot of anxiety. I was very tense. So I just felt like I was in this like tense state of anxiety and I couldn't let it go. So that's when I reached out to a counselor and I've been going since um, December and just, yeah, doing a lot better with that. But um, honestly, man, I'm trying to be, I try to be honest about it. I don't, because I think a lot of people the past two years have had some pretty traumatic experiences and I'm a pastor, but I'm a person. I used to like try to be super tough for people and I I have to sometimes, but I think I've got to be honest about myself if I can really care for others. And so that's what I've been learning is just like, um, I'm a person. I'm, I'm no different than you. Like, so. So that, and that was one of the questions that was kind of looming in my mind that I wanted to ask is, in general, but you personally as well, like, do you feel like in the role of a pastor, you're not allowed to feel a certain way because you're in this role and that adds more stress and pressure that kind of builds up with that? I think I used to feel it a lot more, but now I don't feel it as much anymore because we've all been through so much and nobody wants the fluff. Like, mm. People just want, at this point, people are just wanting you to be real. And I think there's a balance with that. I'm not one to get up and just unhash all of my stuff, like on a sunny morning to the whole church, you know, (laughs) that's what like accountability groups are for. But like, I think I was holding on to answer your question. I think I was holding on to that a lot. And that, that was just weighty and that, culminated with all these other things we also had a lot of people leave our church the past two years um because throughout COVID it brought a lot of transitions in general but those that were like spiritually immature like either like left and aren't going anywhere down here or we've had to like drag them back in so there's been this pressure as a pastor People are out of the rhythm. People were, some people were worse, worse scared of COVID and just scared to do anything. But some people were just like now out of the spiritual rhythms and so used to being isolated and doing their own thing that now we're restarting everything. So it almost felt like a restart at our church. And now we're kind of rebuilding a lot of that back again. But, you know, where I live, honestly, it is different than other Bible Belt places in the sense of 
there's a ton, this is probably the case everywhere, but there's a ton of spiritually immature people that for my church, it's a bunch of like a lot of baby Christians, the ones that are really walking with Christ and have like, or they're all in, or they've been a Christian for a while, they're there, but they're far outnumbered by the Mm -hmm. baby Christians or those that aren't even Christians that are just coming because they're seeking and searching. So that's been hard for me carrying that weight of pastoral care and leadership. So what's some what's some things you feel like kind of contributes, and this might shift the conversation a little bit, but for the immature or baby Christians being so, I guess, the majority of the church, I guess, in a lot of churches, especially in the South, like, like what's contributing what to the f- lack of maturity? What do you feel like? It, yeah, what do you feel like is contributing to the lack of maturity? Because um, I'm guessing it was probably it was probably that way even before COVID, and then COVID kind of really highlighted that and pushed it out. And now it's yeah. like, yeah, I feel like COVID took everybody a step back. Which I don't want to derail it, but I feel like there's this this whole thing about like when we started this podcast, it's literally our first topic about how. F- we were, we're not made to live on an island and COVID has forced us to live on an island. And I think there's such spiritual growth that comes in community mm-hmm. that like, I think like the fragmentation, the disconnection took everybody a step back, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so super committed people became a little less committed, moderately committed, became fairly committed. And then you have the immature people who became disconnected altogether. Yeah, that's it. I mean, so, I think like, yeah. I feel that like, right. Like I'm committed. I'm an, I'm an elder. I'm a, I'm a, you know, kind of a lay elder at my church and it's still been hard to get fully re-engaged. Mm-hmm. So anyway, back to Josh's question, what do you feel like has contributes to the, the lack of maturity, even pre COVID amongst believers? Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lack of like, there's a lot of things. I think there's, there's a, a misunderstanding of like, you know, I think, you know, Christianity in general and in, in the, in the Western culture often is, is, is look at what's happening across the world right now. And I'm, I'm following stuff with Ukraine and Russia, seeing Ukrainian Christians like on their knees and like, it definitely puts things in perspective. It's not to compare. We're not, we're not in Ukraine. So it's like, but when we're pressed in, I feel like when we're pressed at all, um, I don't know if, <laughs> I feel like America and the South, just in general, myself included, when we're pressed in, we do the wrong thing. Mm. And I think what the scripture teaches is when you're pressed in, that's the time to lean into God even more. But when you're pressed in, many, many people don't lean into God uh, and, and do things that are not what God wants you to do, which results in isolation, results in sin, bad habits. Um, I mean, I think there's a lack of discipleship. So it's like, number one, I mean, at our church, we're really trying to just get back into some spiritual disciplines. Like, man, are you in the word every day? Are you making a priority to like walk with God? Is Sunday the only time you hear the Bible like read, you know, there's just, you have to sort of learn in discipleship, it's life on life, but you have to learn to also like feed yourself. So like, I need community, but I have to learn every day to get up and make the decision to abide in Christ. So it's like when you're pressed in, you're really, you're really, you're, when you're, when culture's coming in at you in many directions, you have to decide what's your, what's your true we, uh, loyalty in life. And 
you know, the Bible teaches us that, you know, those that are hated for my name will be blessed. Like this, this Christianity, what we're doing is not the life that many of us would have chosen to be comfortable and, and get what we want. That's the opposite of what the Bible teaches. So we're kind of being forced to look at scripture, look at our lives and say, wow, are we aligning with this? So I, I think lack of discipleship, lack of, lack of uh, daily Bible or daily spiritual disciplines, um, lack of advantage. There's so many lack ofs. Yeah. And before I just call everybody out, as Marty said, I'm convicted myself, you know, with multiple things, but, but man, I think people just run away. I think that's, that's one thing that I've learned is like, don't run from community, embrace community. So like people just want to go isolate themselves when they're struggling and then they end up yeah. And now here we are trying to drag them back to the church. And like and, you said, when people are pressed on, mm-hmm. they react. It's almost like when stress hits us, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a toot your horn a little bit, right? Like the worst day of your life, the kind of like the day before your wife gives birth, you're in this state of panic, panic attack, panic. And like you were being pressed on in a real way. And your response was read scripture over me. While I was freaking out, by the way. While you were freaking out. Like, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, that's not going to be my response. I, yeah. I'm at, I don't think, I, but when you were pressed on, your default, because when, when we are under trial, under Christ, we reach for support. We reach for help. And so I think that's just what we do. But what you reach for is an indication of kind of where your heart is. It's an indication of that maturity and stuff. And so in your case, you're like, listen, I want a scripture poured over me because that is my source of strength. Whereas other people that may be a little more disconnected, they also reached out. But what it looked like was disengagement, but it, they were disconnected from the church, but they were engaging with something, whether it be an unhealthy yeah. coping skill, an unhealthy a healthy practice, selfishness, mm-hmm. right? They, they were turning to something to give them reprieve. Yeah. It just and, wasn't yeah. the spiritual discipline disciplines yeah and i've learned a lot about you know there's that difference in sympathy and empathy so sympathy is that correct me if i'm wrong i think sympathy is like you know oh i'm here for you i get you know empathy is like trying to put yourself in their shoes right is that correct sympathy is i feel bad for you empathy is i feel bad with you okay yeah so i've been trying to practice more empathy so i've experienced a lot of anger a lot of frustration with people but i've noticed that people like when you're empathetic towards someone they're more likely to like move back in the right direction mm-hmm. that's one thing i've learned as a pastor lately is like instead of saying where the heck you been hadn't seen you in months there's a time and place for that depending on the person um but how are you doing what's been going on let's talk about mm. it and, and i think that really at the end of the day, a lot of people in my church particularly have just been hurting. Um, and that's just real. I can't, that, that mm. is real. So now it's like, okay, in the middle of your pain, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And I will say when we really press into God in the middle of pain, there's a lot of power with that. And there's I like there's those three P's pain, press, press, pa- pr- press, pain, power. Yeah. There's a lot of power with that because we, I mean, that's, that's what the Bible teaches to begin with. And so we're kind of, there's, when there's resistance, 
there's growth when you allow the resistance when you like marty said you lean into god through it and i will say when i had that hospital experience it was awful i'm still like working through it yeah but i did feel super close to god and it's hard to explain that i don't really know but i was i mean i was all night like god probably because you thought you were dying i actually didn't know what was yeah i mean partly and then i you know my wife's about to have a kid i'm like what's going on here this is really Mm -hmm. i'm completely out of control of the situation let me throw Um, out a a theory yeah josh you have a question no i was just gonna say i I think what I think what he, what Matthew said was is huge for pastors and and churches to hear is is the sympathy versus empathy because a part of church is is a big part of church is relationships you know like sometimes it's close sometimes it's preaching sometimes it's this but what draws people back is the deep relationship they have with the people who attend that church. And I think sometimes, and I don't, I don't think it's on purpose, but I think sometimes pastors or people in the church have this mindset where, okay, when I meet this person, I, my goal is to get them back to church mm. instead of the goal being like, let me actually just talk to this person. Let me actually just see like, what, what is really going on? <laughs> like, what's like, uh, you know, what's all going on? And I think the other person in return respects that enough and sees that enough to where, you know, you actually care. And that care is what brings them back to church because they, I mean, if somebody walks up to me, it's like, Hey man, where you been? I'm like, I mean, at the house chilling. But if somebody comes to me, it's like, man, how's life going? It's like, Oh yeah. You know, well, this is how it's going. And he's like, well, you know, I hope I see you Sunday. If not, you know, let's get, get together, do it again. And, and it's just the trans, just that little transition is huge. So I really respect and appreciate that viewpoint that you, you kind of threw out there with the sympathy versus empathy, because I do think it plays a lot in, in churches where that it, they get those two confused and think it's okay, but really it's just kind of maybe pushing somebody further away. Cause the moment I just feel like an agenda item mm-hmm. or, you know, that, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a pastor who there was a there's a there's a, a person that we know that's kind of disengaged from church. And I texted that person. I was like, hey, what's up? Just like hitting them up. And I was like, let's grab dinner sometime. And they're like, oh, yeah. So I run into that pastor again. I said, hey, I texted so and so and, you know, made that connection. They said, oh, where they been? When are they coming back to church? And I said, I don't have a clue. I said, I haven't talked to this person in over a year. I didn't want him to think that I was just checking a box. Like I genuinely care about this person. So I'm going to invest in the relationship. Yeah. Is there an agenda item there? Sure. Because they're disengaged from Christ, not just the church. They're disengaged from their faith. And I want to connect with them and hopefully have an influence on that to get them reconnected relationally. Mm. But if I just text them, Hey, hadn't heard from me in a couple of years, come to church. No, yeah. you don't care. You don't care about me. Yeah, you don't, yeah. Especially if you're a pastor who's getting paid by the church. I think a lot of people's mindsets change with like, oh man, he's just trying to bump them ties up, you know, trying to bump <laughs> that. Yeah. And you it's know, just yeah. I will say real quick, I can resonate with all that because uh I mean I'm just gonna to be transparent again as a pastor. <laughs> Bring it. As a pastor, it is that 
like what you're talking about is so true. It's like, I have to take off that ulterior motive hat. So pastor is called to be a shepherd. I do think part of that shepherding is like connecting you into the church, but like that, that can't, yeah, like that doesn't work and it can't be my motive for everything. And, and, um, and that's been a, 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 a wrestling in my own mm. life. And I think if, if you would ask other pastors, they'd say the same thing. So one thing it's done on a, from a ministry perspective is it's kind of laid everything bare and you're caused to ask yourself why you do what you do. When your church is not packed out like it used to be and you're down to the nitty gritty of just daily pastoral care and like everything that is not flashy, right? If we're just being honest. Mm-hmm. You have to ask yourself, why do you do this? And are you called to do it? And if you're called to do it, you go back into it with those right. So I think for me, it's taught me a lot about, you know, like, I don't care that much anymore about, I mean, I'd love to see our church full again, not for the, just Mm. for that excitement. It's exciting to be in a full room, Mm. but I will say my perspective has changed. I'm not so much after the, you know, a lot of ministry guys are chasing the biggest next thing. And I think what I've learned, and I've been tempted to go there in my mind, but what I've learned is that is not number one, that's not right. And and then and then it actually does it doesn't end well because what it does is it adds more pressure on you to look a certain way and to reach a certain bar. And then you just end up doing something stupid or hitting a wall like you know, so it it's it forces it forces you to always have the carrot in front of the congregation. Like I have to perform in a way that makes lots of people want to come see me. So then I have to constantly have that next shiny object. Yeah. To get them there. Yeah. And I, it's now looking back, I do, I've been, you know, I will say I'm in a healthier place with ministry. I'm way more content. I'm I'm less concerned about doing this and that. And I'm just like, I'm just trying to be faithful. Mm -hmm. And I think when you just try to be faithful, that's to people but to just what the simple things like literally like the other day, I, you know, I just like cleaned up our kitchen in our church. It's like, you know, I mean, that's, it's just like the simple things, like a a simple email following up with somebody who's brand new or a a phone call or a meeting, like, or a sermon or a Bible study. It's just like, just be faithful, do your, do your thing and be, be diligent. But leave all of that other stuff up to God. Like I can't make anybody do anything and that shouldn't be the reason they do it in the first place. Mm. Um, so yeah. I don't know with all that being said, I resonate with all of that. And I will say it sucked on one end, but on the other end, God really used it to, I think, make me a healthier. Yeah. Unfortunately, person. I feel like it's one of those yeah. things that it's like, I would never want to go back through it. I would, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And at the same time, I wouldn't give up the growth it gives me for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like you, would you say that last year was probably the most, in the shortest, the most spiritual maturity you've experienced in the shortest period of time? I think so. I think I'm still working to get there, if I'm being honest. I think I'm getting there with like where I can actually really look back and say, okay, I think in my current journey right now, that's what I'm working through, but I'm seeing glimpses of that. Like, Mm. yes, like I would not be where I am today holistically 
as a person, as a pastor, as a Christian, if I didn't go through now, sometimes I'm like, was there another way, God? You know, it's like, right. Of course, you know, right now, I was just going to say right now we're trying to buy a house and that's a nightmare because, uh, well, the market's terrible, number one, but number two, uh, there's still a lot of stuff going on from the hurricane. So it's like I see a house and it looks great, but then I like dig in. It's like missing a wall or it's like, so it's like, I'm having to be patient with that. So like right now I'm actually dealing with that again. I'm like, God, please, like what's going on? We just want a house, but the door isn't quite opening yet. And God's teaching me something. I just don't know what he's teaching me patience, but yeah. So yeah, I just, uh, my wife and I were talking, we feel like, Patience and waiting has been a lot of the lessons we've been learning the past two years. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, God definitely uses it, but I'm not going to pretend like I understand it and like, I don't struggle in the moment, mm. but yeah, later on, I'm like, man, I wouldn't be emotionally at emotionally more healthy in this way. If I didn't go through 2021, you know? Right. So got refocused. I did. Shameless we're gonna, plug. We're gonna plug it. Every, <laughs> everything goes back to refocus. That's right. Everything falls back to. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's good though. All right. So Matthew, you said earlier that coming out of 2021, coming out of the birth of your child, you engaged in counseling. What were? And we've already talked about. Like, so maybe it. Maybe we've already discussed this. You know, you've talked about some of the growth points that have come along the way, how you've been able to gain perspective looking backwards, but whether it be through your own journey, connecting with a a Christian counselor or whatever else you did, were there some like, I don't know, big moments that helped, helped you turn that corner that like other people might resonate with? Like, is there something that helped like a light bulb go off or something for you? Yeah. I mean, one of the main things is the stress. So I'm working through this, this book and it's like this book that helps you process different things about anxiety and folk fear. And, and so through some of that Bible, is it the Bible? It's not the Bible. Oh, is it refocus? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. That was good. Uh, it's like this big old workbook he gave me. He's like, just work through a chapter before, like work through like one chapter before we, we all, we meet once a month right now. And, uh, there was a couple sessions ago where I like, I had a little moment cause I, I like to journal as well while I'm reading the book and what's going on. And I wrote down everything that's happened, you know, since like 2020, 2021. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. And I read these things to him and he's like, yeah, you've been going through like chronic, like he called it like you know chronic stress basically like culminative stress and so i think i'm piggybacking off what we said earlier but like you don't have to go i mean your your stress is your stress now you know i think for me it was a culmination of many 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 events like death by a thousand paper cuts yeah like it was just one thing after another, I don't feel like I had a lot of time in between to like process what was happening because I was trying to be kind of strong and push through and be that pastor. 
I don't think I had a healthy perspective on what a on on the pastor thing. I think I was very much kind of what Josh said. I got to look this way. I got to lead these people. I got to do so. There was all these things coming down on me, and I was like, "Gosh, I just need to let it go and admit that I'm struggling." So mm-hmm. uh, that's one lesson: is just admitting that you're struggling. Like, there's so much freedom in just saying yeah. it. Yeah. And yet, it's like the hardest sentence you will ever utter. Yeah. No, and and I am very fortunate. I work on a team where we all have been very open and honest about how hard things have been. And there's been multiple people on our ministry team that have gone to counseling. And I'm not telling, I'm not saying everybody needs to go. Now I actually do think everybody should go to counseling. You know, I'll, I'll toot that horn all day. I think it's the healthiest thing you can do, but I think because I'm with a team of people that have, have gotten help and been honest, it's helped me do it too. There's this, this culture on our team where it's like, don't fake it. Like, don't pretend you're okay when you're not. Just talk about that you're not and get help. So um, I think a lot of ministry leaders don't do that because they're, they're trying to, I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I can relate to an extent in the past yeah. and it's, it takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of uh, awareness and humility. But um, if you really want to last in ministry, like one thing that scared me is seeing these older guys that are on like the fourth quarter, but they've like, they've given up. And either they've given up like through a moral failure, they've, they've sinned and they, they're literally, you know, it doesn't mean God can't use them again. It's just like, we could talk for hours about the stories we've read. Yeah. And that scares the mess out of me. Cause it's like, anybody could fall at any moment. And uh, you're more, you're more prone to fall when you're struggling and not getting the help. Cause I think you're prone to temptation even more. And that's when that pressure builds up and you go reach out for something. Exactly. So, yeah. um, and I think another thing my counsel encouraged me with, so the first thing is just stress and admitting it. And then, know how, know how you're wired. Like everybody's wired a certain way. And, um, you know, for me, he, I did this little, uh, survey. Um, and it was like, you know, how I'm wired, who I am. And then, you know, the anxiety came back pretty high, but he was like, you know what? I think you're, you're like a racehorse is what he said. So everybody that looks at you could say that that man is a stallion. Yeah, I love it. I was like, okay, where are you going with it? Um, But horses, like they are taken care of. They have a stable, a barn. They're, you know, they're, they're fed. They're, they're well-kept race horses though. And I'd say this humbly, this is what he said. He's like, because you perform so much as in like do so much for others. Race horses are like constantly running, racing out, doing this, doing that. They need the, the, the most care and the, and the, you know, like their, their stables are very nice. Their care is mm-hmm. extra, extra, extra high because of the, what they put out. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh. He was like, you, I'm a very, emo- like, I'm a very sensitive person. Like mm-hmm. the way I'm wired is I'm sensitive. To, if I was with you guys, I can be super sensitive to y'all and like how you're doing, what you're going through. Like, that's why God's called me to be a pastor. I think is because I can kind of, I have that, that awareness of how someone's really doing and I can kind of see through the, so because of that, so many people come to me for guidance Mm -hmm. and stuff. So 
because that and how I'm wired with people and always putting out and putting out, I need to tend to myself even more. So he used this thing of like tend to the vessel. So it's like whatever you need to do, you know, to take care of yourself so that you can then do what you do, you need to do it. And so that's why, you know, it's more than just like hobbies and getting good sleep. It's like inward. Yeah. You have to replenish yourself. I have to. And I, I think there was, there was a season before 2021 where I just kept going, going, doing, doing, and they were all good things, but I wasn't replenishing myself. So anyways, dude, I tell you, that's a, that's a home run right there. Yeah. Like, I was about to say that's, that's good. In the words of Josh, retweet that. Retweet that. Retweet you're right. It. Like, like we have to be balanced. Right. Like I tell people all the time, like your coping skills mm. typically match your average life that you've learned that you live. But when stress goes up, our coping has to match it or all of a sudden it, oh, wow. yeah. it tips. And um, good. I well, mean, and balance, I will say balance is holistic. Yeah. So your mental health, your emotional health is just as important as you go into the gym and eating healthy. Like it's all right. I mean, it's all equally important. I think a lot of people minimize the mental health mm-hmm. and maximize the. So are you saying, yep. am I hearing this right? That a Christian <laughs> can struggle with mental health that you I, can, you can believe in Jesus and love God and still struggle. Yeah. And I can say that now very confidently. <laughs> Because if you would have asked me that, what, four years ago, I would have, I would struggle with that answer because there's this stigma yeah. that is not true. So yeah. I have lived in the stigma and now I've experienced what the lack of mental care, emotional care does. And I'm now, uh, and that's one thing God taught me. And now I can help others. It's like, no, like you go into counseling or, you know, if you have to take medication for a season or if for, it's fine. Like, that's yeah. just like you taking um, Tylenol for a headache or, yeah, you know, eating a healthy meal or going to the gym, like all of or this. Drinking chicory for energy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to cut my coffee intake down, too. That, that, oh, that, yeah. That, that'll ramp up anxiety. Yeah. So that was another thing. I used to drink like four cups a day. You ain't drinking four cups of this goodness. Down to two. I'm down to two ish now. Two, two ish. I just doubled the size of the cup. (laughs) Yeah, two ish. My last cup with y'all. It's yeah. So no, that's good though because now a lot of people think if you struggle and you go like the 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 common answer for a Christian who's been raised in church is, man, I'm struggling. I got to pray more. I got to read more. But they never decide like maybe I should talk to somebody, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's beyond praying and reading more. Maybe those contribute, but really the issue is a lot deeper than, than the answer. No one, no one ever said I struggle with obesity. Let me go read the scriptures. It's let me bless my food, my Taco Bell harder, draw close to God, pray and go take a freaking walk. Yeah, you know, and so like a lot of times, you know, scripture empowers us, but it, it also demands other things. So, dude, listen, yeah. we've got to, we've got to wrap up. We're almost Yo, out of time. Let's keep going. What's the rush? 
Listen, uh, I got an appointment right. in a few minutes. That's what the. Oh yeah, it's, it's before we go though. I have to tell a story. I was going to tell it at the beginning. <laughs> Matthew already knows what's coming. I actually got to go right now. I'm holding out for you. Listen, well, then I'm going to drag this thing out. Oh, you would. Can... So li- here's here's the. Oh, deal. I thought he was late. I was like, he's out. So yeah. I think it's really funny. Hard but there's a there's a common thread in your life, Matthew, of gastrointestinal distress. Wow. Okay. <laughs> whether We're just it be going coming for up, it right whether now. it be going out, like there's. <laughs> so about eight years ago, it's probably yeah. seven years ago, seven eight years ago, uh, we went um, to Kentucky together on a mission trip. So if you're from the Spartanburg area, First Baptist Spartanburg has 50 years of history going to kentucky to to minister in the haulers right and so this this particular year matthew and i were part of a college and young adult team um along let's see phil vanderplug went Mm. uh, chris goldman was there Uh, timothy went wasn't timothy there matthew i and so there's a few other people there's some there's some people so we're (laughs) we're a 15 passenger van in a long trail of 15 passenger vans driving to kentucky and this was was this on the way there on the way back on the way there we're on the way there and, and Matthew has the smallest bladder mm-hmm. on the face of the earth and so I can't remember I think was I driving or Phil driving <clears throat> uh, anyway carried me to the bathroom that's okay so we carried <laughs> whoa we really took a we, jump here we're going and, and i want to say chris goldman was next to you because he filmed this on his phone oh yeah yeah so i i have breakfast with chris like once a month now still so i need to remind him of oh, this dude. and wow. i meant to text him this morning actually so wow. we we're going and matthew's like guys I, I really need to use the bathroom and so we're on these walkie talkies like we've got a peer we've got a peer oh, yeah. here you know, like, hey coordinate with you know seth's like we're going, man. We've well, there's a there's a stop up the road. We're stopping. So you had to. I mean, it was probably forty five minutes. Yeah, I had to hold it for from, a while. From the time you said, "I really need to go." Yeah. To when we so like he's literally in the fetal position. I'm bent over. Bent over, just mm. like don't talk to me, don't touch me, don't talk to me, don't touch me. Dang. And so we we get there, and he tries to. <laughs> he gets. He can't even stand up straight. No, and he is. So you're just he, like locked. He I'm is just he's like, locked over, just shuffling, and he and he gets to a point. And he's like, I can't move. I can't move. I can't. So we like carry him to the bathroom, and then he stands there for like 15 minutes peeing. Oh my gosh! It was oh. so funny. Back, I wonder if I was being a little dramatic, but. Oh, I do have an issue with that, and my stomach is very sensitive. It was Marty. Oh, I don't know if you remember Marty. Do you remember the Sunday that you and I got to preach at church? Yeah, yes, it shows that up morning, on my time hop. That morning, my stomach that was like my first time preaching at like a that was, mm-hmm. you know, that was scary. My stomach was killing me, and I yeah. remember dropping a you know, ugh, sorry. So, me and uh, you know what I, just, I thought we were going for it right now. We were, like, we were all in. <laughs> yeah, I forgot we're still recording. But it was like, okay, I got 30 minutes till the service starts. But it was like, we're getting close. I got to hurry. So it was like, yeah, well, man. that's been an issue for me. I've gotten a little better. But uh, I, uh, <laughs> let's just say no one's ever accused him of constipation. I don't have that problem. 
you so can, yeah, yeah so matthew that. and i matthew and i this was shortly before you left uh, Dr. Wilton wasn't going to be at First Baptist. And so um, that was still when they did the, um, they had s- services in the hangar and in the sanctuary. They've combined them now. And so Matthew and I preached in the hangar that Sunday. Uh, Matthew preached the early service and I preached the 11 o'clock or whatever time it was. And so it was one of the, other, it was one of the few times that I was on TV because they broadcast my, my message I was on, jealous. on a Saturday night. I mean, like, really? Why did they do Matthew? Why, I mean, why wasn't Matthew's on well, TV? Well, I can go ahead and tell you, he's a, he's a better speaker than I am. Marty is older and wiser. That's why. That's no. So I'm not going to go into it now, but that moment that? led to probably one of the more embarrassing moments of my life because my ego got ahead of me. So mm-hmm. I'll that's another that. podcast, Marty. Well, yeah, we can dive into that on a different podcast, but to this day, I'm still yeah, embarrassed. I still have, I have no idea what you're talking about. No, you don't. But uh, right. anyway, my, my ego got ahead of me. So anyway, uh, but yeah, and there's another memory I have. So when we were in Kentucky, you preached. You preached in the evenings up there. Oh, yeah. And I remember I have I have a notebook where I took notes when I was up there. And one night when he was preaching, I drew a picture of him preaching at the pulpit. And I pulled that notebook out a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago because I hadn't used it really. I mean, I was going to use it and I was literally flipping through it and I found the picture. I need to send it to you where I drew a picture of you at the pulpit. And it was really one of your first times preaching. Yeah. Was up there. And yeah, uh, yeah, it was amazing. Anyway. Minus, the, minus the pain of the bathroom. <laughs> minus the pain. Oh man, there was a lot of good memories on that trip. Yeah, quite quite a bunch that we that we that brought. was that was a crew. Yeah, that yeah. was a crew. Anyway, all right, guys, we've got to wrap up. Uh, our time is our time is short, and we have we've I don't know I don't know that the listeners will enjoy this as much, but Matthew it was a fantastic catching up with you, man. Yeah uh and so yeah it was great it was great good to meet you yeah, we'd love to have time, you back hey, home when's when's your next publication like the like re-refocus <laughs> refocus um uh, all joking aside though i am praying through like do i want to write like a book because this was like a little you know this is short yeah. but i'm praying through the topic of like the idea of um you know the the bracelets we all used to wear called what would jesus do yeah and this idea of like, literally, if Jesus was you, what would he do in any given situation? So when you live your life, living it through the lenses of putting on literally, what would Jesus do in, in this that scenario? I'm thinking so about if people, yeah. if people want to follow you, read your blog, get this book, hear about future opportunities. How can they connect with you? Um, yeah, the blog is uh, mweave.com mweav.com and then social media i'm on facebook twitter instagram mweave for twitter and instagram and just type matthew weaver for facebook all right well listen dude yeah. i've enjoyed it and uh dude, and really the conversation went where i didn't realize it was going to but i think it was really even, good yeah. even more powerful way i appreciate your transparency yeah so yeah. all right guys Thanks, tattoo guys. in jesus land until next time y'all behave yourselves Hello.